Hi everyone from my side, a warm welcome to our service today. Our whole product family, everyone watching on Sales Skills, and especially to you, if you are watching today for the first time, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to take the time out of your day to join us for the service as we're starting this new series, Why Work Matters. I truly believe this series is going to change your life, it's going to mean a lot to you. Because let's be honest, we all faced a couple of new realities when it came to lockdown and our work life, right? Some people lost their jobs, some people were glad to just get a break, some people just wanted to go back. We face all these emotions when it comes to our work life. We wonder if we should really work. Some people enjoy it, some people hate it. We, um, some people ask me like, Louis, how do I connect my faith life and my work life? Just the other day, I spoke to someone in our church that told me, and he said, if I think about God once or twice during my workday, that's a lot. And that got me thinking, like we should talk about our work life from a biblical perspective if we are Christians, because it has a big impact on our life. Let's be honest, a, a major part of our life, of the hours that we are awake, are spent at work. And that is why we're starting for the next few weeks to look at our work life, to look at work and why it actually matters from a biblical perspective. Now, if you're a Christian, I'm sure you're going to learn some new things. I'm sure you're going to get excited about this. If you are not a Christian, I want to tell you, don't just tune out. Just hear what the Bible says about work. And maybe the thing you've been looking for, the answer you've been trying to find, maybe you just find it during this series. So, by the way... If you want to know more about the things we're going to be talking about, I want to recommend a book to you called Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller. This is an awesome book. They started um, the Faith and Work Center in New York City. A lot of people has gone through their training. He wrote a book about how faith and work get together. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about comes from his book. He's like the master on faith and work. So get this book for you if you want to know more about it. But the, here's the three questions that we're going to try to answer in this series. The first one is, why should I work? Is there a plan to all of this? Is there a design to all of this? The second one that we're going to try to answer is, why is it sometimes so hard to work? What are the reasons that work gets ruined for me sometimes? And then lastly, how can I find satisfaction in my work and even live my faith out in my workplace? So that's what we're going to be talking about. And today we're jumping in at the first topic, the design for work. I believe if you want to know how something truly works in life, you have to get back to the design, to the technical drawings, to the blueprints. You have to get back to the design because the designer designs something to work effectively, to work correctly. And when you get back to the design, you know exactly what the thing is meant to do. You know exactly how it's supposed to function. And then it, you can use whatever it is, whether it's your toaster, your microwave, your car, then you can use it to its full capacity. So we're going to want to go back to the blueprint of work. And you know, at the beginning of the Bible, right at the beginning, the Bible begins to, to talk about work. As soon as the Bible says anything, it starts talking about work. That is how important work is. That is how basic work is. So if you've got your Bible with you, let's turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1. I'm going to read to us from verse 1 in the New International Version. It says this, In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. So when we start reading about God, when God is introduced to us, we, we read about a God that is at work, busy creating something out of nothing. And if you're here today and you're like, but, but creativity is, is not work, that's fun. I'm like, no, no, there's a lot of people that make a living out of creativity. And I'm not just talking about sculptures or artists or musicians. Even an architect, a profession like that, even chartered accountants where they have to work with numbers, they have to be creative. But in Genesis 2, we get a different perspective on the same story. And in Genesis 2, we read this, Genesis 2 verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So here it's clearly the Bible is clearly telling us that God was working. He was busy with something. He was working for six days and he rests on the seventh. And by the way, I believe that we cannot fully function during our six days of work if we do not rest properly. That's a model that God had. That's a model we should follow. We did a whole series about it. If you missed it, go on YouTube, um, Facebook, our website, Spotify, iTunes. Go listen to our series on rest. It will benefit you so much. But here's what I learned from Genesis 1 and 2. God, when he's introduced to us, is introduced as a God who is working and providing. He works by creating, but he also provides for the, the things he created. He provides for nature. He provides specially for human beings. You see, often we believe, if you're a Christian, you might have believed that work is part of the curse that rested on Adam after they rebelled against God. Often that's the way we view work, and that's why we feel it's such a burden. But work existed before the fall, before people rebelled against God. God is working, and God creates human beings to work as well. And it's not like God is saying, I'm creating human beings to do the work because work is beneath me. No, no. God himself is working. And why is he working? I believe he's doing it for the sheer joy of it. There's no specific reason except for the fact that he wanted to do it. He enjoyed it. I get this mental picture of an artist creating this masterpiece. Have you ever looked at nature, at, at an eye, at a fingerprint, at a chemsbach? I love those. I always tell you, Landy, God was showing off his perfect skill when he painted them. It's like, they are so beautiful, the markings on a chemsbach. And I love it. But we also read about a God who's not just an artist, but he's a gardener. In, in Genesis 2 verse 8, we read that God planted a garden. So he didn't just speak and there was boom. We, we read specifically the word, he planted it, he invested in it, he was a gardener. I'm like, whoa, he's an artist, he's a gardener, he's a creative. And not only does God create humans then on the last day, but throughout the Bible we read that God's work didn't stop because God keeps on providing and taking care of his creation. Now here's the question. How does this relate to us? And our work. I want us to go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 verse 26, we read about how this all relates to us. 
And this is what we read. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move among the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, when God created human beings, He said, I want to create them in my image. God was a working God Himself. So the blueprint, God said, I want to use something of myself. They, they need to reflect something of me. So part of our blueprint includes something of God that we already read about. His creativity, the, the fact that he was working. That is all part. We meet this creative God, a worker God, a God who does an excellent job because every time he finishes something, he says it was good. That is the God in whose image we have been made. So because, and then the Bible kind of like three times hammers that in. We are made in this God's image. And then in verse 28, God commissions human beings. Obviously, we made them in His, in his image. And He says, okay, now I'm going to, you go and do it. Be fruitful. So increase, um, subdue the earth, rule the earth, create, like do what I have been busy doing. In Genesis 2, so our other account, verse 15, we read that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we have all this work, be fruitful, subdue it, rule, work, take care of it. You see, work, this is before Adam even rebelled against God. Work was not an afterthought where God was like, oh, shucks, I forgot something. Let, let, let the human sort it out quickly. God was not, a, work was not a curse that God put on us. We were designed for work. That is part of our blueprint in the image of God. Work is as much a basic human need as food, as rest, as friendship, as prayer, as sexuality. That's all basic human needs. And I believe that if work is part of our design, that work is also such a significant basic human need. And whenever we miss a basic human need, what do we experience? We experience emptiness, loss, and that is exactly what we will experience without meaningful work. Without meaningful work, we will feel significant inner loss and emptiness because God created us to work. Timothy Keller in the book wrote, he said, What is the Christian understanding of work? It is that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is part of who we are. It's our design. See, for six days, God formed and filled the universe, but not completely. He made the world to need work. And God invites us to now carry on the work of the development of the world that He started. As God's representative, as His image bearers, we are supposed to carry on where God 
we are supposed to carry on where God left off. That is our job. God's creation was also planned just like us. So God planned us to work and he planned his creation. He made it so that we would, would work to bring forth all of the riches and all of the potential that's still uncapped. And God invites you and me into this creative process of bringing order to chaos, of rearranging raw materials so that something can be made of it to help other people. God invites us into this. And one of the simplest examples of this is found in Genesis 2 verse 19 to 20, where God tells the man that he has to name the animals. You might be like, Lou, what's, what's the big deal with that? The thing is, God could have named the animals himself. God, in fact, did already name certain things. So when God created light and he created darkness, we read in the Bible that he called it day and he called it night. So God is capable, more than capable, of naming all the animals himself. But he invites man into this creativity, into this process of continuing where God left off. He made the world so that we can continue his work. Guys, I believe... That our work becomes our calling. When we understand that it, that understand it as God's assignment to love and to serve others. You see, work is not just about bringing order to chaos for no reason. Everything God made, He made it for us. And God wants us to continue in that work. You see, the word calling, I think, is so important because often when we talk about, about work, specifically in Christian circles, we believe that only pastors and ministers and, um, and priests are called because they do something spiritual. But I believe all work is a calling if we understand it correctly, if we understand the true meaning of it. You see, a calling has to have a certain, a certain number of things in place. One, the, uh, someone else needs to call you into this. So it's not just a decision you, you make yourself. And we already know that God calls us into this to participate. But also, in a calling, it's not just about me. It is about me doing something for the sake of someone else. And that is how God saw work. That is how God himself worked. Thinking of work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment, of self-realization, a source of power, of money, um, a means to make a living, instead of loving our neighbors, slowly crushes a person and at the end of the day undermines society itself. Think about this for a moment. When, and, and I think we are so familiar with this in the 21st century, right? We all talk about doctors that we feel doesn't care about patients, but only works for the money to drive the fancy car. Or lawyers. There's so many jokes about lawyers. I know them all because my wife studied law about how they are shocked and they're just all about the money. And, and it's like everywhere you go, you hear that same kind of thing. Because in the 21st century, more I think than ever before, we do our work mostly for, for money, for power, for, for self-actualization. But it leads to so much pressure. It leads to burnout because I have to work hard because if I fail, it affects my identity that I found in my work. It leads to abuse because people abuse other people just to get to the top. And at the end of the day, society suffers. I think there's a better way. There's a better way than building everything we have 
on this. Do you know that in the old days, the ancient monks, they sought salvation through religious works. And today, I believe that people still seek salvation through their work, just in a different kind of a way. And we already mentioned it, but stuff like our self-esteem, our self-worth, our identity, we try to find that through our careers. But, and, and at the end of the day, we seek high-paying jobs and, and status. And we start to worship those kind of jobs because we believe they are better, because we attach these values to them. But there's a better way. And that is the gospel way. That's the Bible way. Because when we know Jesus, when we understand what he has done for us, it frees us from this constant, relentless pressure of having to prove ourselves and secure our identity through our work. For we have already been proven in Jesus. We're already secure in him. So we don't need to find that in our work. It also frees us from a condescending attitude towards less sophisticated labor. But by the way, in lockdown, we all suddenly realized that a refuse remover is one of the most important jobs ever, right? Especially if you live like us in a block of apartments, you don't want refuse to sit outside in the sun for two or three weeks. It's horrible. But we, we elevate certain positions. But once we have a gospel understanding that God himself also planted a garden. He was a gardener. Suddenly it takes all of that pressure off. We look at, at people differently and at the jobs they do. All work. All work. Now becomes a way to love God who saved us and by extension to love our neighbors. It is so easy for us to think that work is a curse or that work is our everything, that work is our identity, that work is, is or, or even to just think that work is only there to, to put food on the table. But it's so much more. It's part of our design. It's part of who God created us to be, to be creative, to expand, to continue with the work that He started when He created. And in that process, we love Him and we love our neighbors. Remember that work was never just made to benefit myself. God worked and he provided through his work. And that's the same attitude we should have. So I want to encourage you this week. I don't know what you do for a living. I know some of you don't know everyone. But I want to encourage you to look at work a little differently. And to find ways this week to say, how can I love God through this? And how can I serve others? Maybe this way, the best way to love your neighbor is to just do an excellent job whatever you do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you created us with so much purpose. That deep inside of us, you ingrained this basic human need to work, to find, to find part of the meaning of life in what we do for a living. But I pray that it won't be everything in our lives, that we won't try to find identity and meaning and, and power and everything in our work lives, but that we will rest securely in who you are and that we will find the joy, the creativity that you meant us to find in, in our work life. I pray that we would do it not selfishly for ourselves, but that we will do everything we do in a way to serve and to love our neighbors. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Guys, I was reading a story this week where someone said um, something as simple as bread. And I remember Joseph, was it Joseph or I think it was Bird Crab two weeks ago that spoke about um, the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us today our daily bread. And they, they made it so practical. They said, um, can you bake a bread? The answer is yes. So then we think we're self-sufficient, right? But they're like, how, where do you get the flour? You need a farmer that cared for other people to, to plant the seed. In order for him to plant, you needed someone to design a tractor and build a tractor. You need someone to build roads so that the seeds could get to the farm. And, and then from, from the farm that, that the, the, the corn and everything or the maize could go to the silos. And from there it would go to a place that would produce flour. And it's this whole process. And in all of those ways, every single person... We have to think of work differently this week and say like every step of the way I can serve and I can love my neighbor. So next week, we're going to continue with our series, Why Work Matters. And we're going to look at some of the reasons why work is sometimes not what it's supposed to be. Some of the things that, that makes it a little yucky. So join me next week. But before we sign off, we are at the end of the month. And I really want to encourage you to also love your neighbor by giving faithfully to the church. When you give, not only can the work that we do continue, but we've got the opportunity to change the lives of people who lost their jobs, who lost not only part of, of this thing that gives meaning to life because of our design, but also the means of just staying alive, buying food. And this week, I'll give you a bit of an update on where we are with our COVID-19 relief fund. But I know we've given out, out a lot more than we've ever received in. So I want to encourage you to continue giving. Just after this, all the details will pop up. And then I also want to encourage you to join our Zoom community groups on Wednesday. When we connect on Zoom, we talk about these topics in very practical ways and how we can apply it during the week. So please send us an email at info@prodeo.org.za. Send us a message on Messenger and we would love to see you there on Wednesday as well. If this message means something for you, if you think it could benefit someone else, please share it. In that way, you help us to, for all the work we put in for it to go as wide and far as it possibly can. I'm handing over now. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. If you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Prodeo is doing, consider giving financially to our church. There's two ways you can do that. The first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.prodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoy the video, please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.